I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello, welcome to Ford Lord. This is Roger coming to you. God damn it, my mouse isn't working. Coming to you on Monday, the 20th of February. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> For episode number 102. As you can hear, the guys are with me, same as usual. One of them a year older. So welcome, guys. Joe, happy birthday. Thank you. So actually, hold on. When was the birthday anyways? Uh, Tuesday. Right. Okay. Yeah, Tuesday. So you've been having a nice week off, though, getting caught up on your games? Uh, actually, yes, I have, and it's yeah, been but... very, very good for like a week of doing nothing. Yeah, but you've been uh, spending all your time playing freaking LOL. No, not just LOL. I've been playing a lot of Kingdoms of uh, Amalur. Right. A lot of Kingdoms of Amalur. I know you haven't been in freaking <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, the Kingdoms has kind of taken me away temporarily. You are, you, you, uh, and you're going to the freaking Star Wars Guild Summit, and actually, uh, and actually, you're I, like I, the I worst guild leader ever, ever and you're going to the freaking <laughs> Guild I, I'm Summit. Not actually, I'm oh, not I thought because, you were. No, I'm not because I cannot afford uh, the part that I would have to cover. Yeah, well, which is also a reason why I didn't even bother applying. But uh, but yeah no it's like I look at our guild roster and it's like dude we need to go on a recruiting spree because <laughs> it's it's me and oh freaking Elena has been on like I swear she's peeing in a cup because she has to be she every time I log on she's on and I'm on quite a bit and she's been power leveling her um, her uh, Sith warrior and absolutely digging it she said so that's kind of neat that's and also good I become, don't worry what's that. I'll be coming back. I gotta get my blitz. I thought you said you got him. No, I just met him. Like I got oh, the oh, I thought you got him. Where he steals your blaster and he's just like, "Isn't I mean, that I'm, awesome?" <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm giggling uncontrollably. And, uh, I I finally found um, a, a temporary kind of fix around my uh, Imperial Agent storyline, so I was able like, to kind of kind of get past but one of them is still bugged and stuck in my my mission log but at least i can keep going so that's that's good um it's just that i miss out on the experience whatever experience i would have gotten from completing that quest and whatever the quest reward would have been which would have been a decent one as well but at least i can keep going finally which is awesome because dudes i finished and no spoiler because i'm really not going to go into it too much here i talked about it with tristan on uh droidcast on the weekend um he helped me out too we finished act one for the imperial agent which i gotta say was fantastic it wasn't as awesome as the sith inquisitor ending with the crap with zash and everything which was just i loved it it, it but it was still really really good but what happened is that when you start Act 2 with the Sith Inquisitor, or, or sorry, the uh, Imperial Agent, it is 
balls to the walls awesome it is unbelievably cool it is so well done it's it's a freaking born identity movie on crack it's just like awesome made of win i absolutely loved it so i had to level him up because i got to the point where you you hit that level cap for for quest where you need to be level 33 to get on it and so i i hit that at 31 so then i had to do some leveling up on alderaan which yeah i've never been crazy about that planet but at least it's more fun on the uh, the imperial well, agent well it's okay because you already know the future of that planet yeah so yeah, and bye bye. Can't wait till you get obliterated. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably they like, made I'm it. Suck. My first time on that planet, that's exactly what I said. Is like you're gonna blow up, and I can't wait. <laughs> In three thousand years. But for anybody who has been on the fence about the Imperial Agent, uh, do it. It is absolutely fantastic. And the abilities are finally coming in line with the sniper so that, and now that I've got my freaking Dr. Loken, who's awesome, the Rackle, he transforms into a Rackle, and he's a healer when he's not, and then DPS when he is. Um, so I've got him healing me when I need to. It The, the sniper build is finally coming in, in, into its own and is really a ton of fun. So... It's it's a great class if anybody's actually considering it. Just for the again, that quest line is blow your mind awesome so far. Just oh, makes the and I really really enjoyed this the Sith Inquisitor one. Makes that one look like I don't want to say like trash, but it's so much better. It's unbelievable. So sticking with Bioware though, let's talk about what I think was the most important thing they hit last week, and that was the freaking Mass Effect Three demo. Uh, oh, oh, dude, the freaking, <laughs> you know that, oh, so we talked about this when Mass Effect 2 came out and the moment you walk onto the new Normandy and if you played enough of the first one and, and, and whatnot, you get that little tingle in the back of your neck, the hairs are going up and it's so freaking awesome. And this here was that for me. And it was just a freaking demo. And it was like, I'm, I'm playing it. And I actually, I downloaded it for the 360, but I still haven't tried it. I played it on the, uh, the PC like three times and it was, oh yeah, dude. And it was, it was just that, that moment of like, this is, I, I can't believe I've been waiting so long for it. And it lives up to it, even just the demo. And it was like, oh, this is going to consume me. This is going to be unbelievably awesome. If the rest of the game is anything like those two little segments we saw, it's astounding. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. And you played for, you played it on the 360, I assume. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and you, do you have a connect? I can't remember. No. Okay. All right. Joe, what'd you play it on? I didn't play it. What? I I couldn't bring myself to play it because I'm sticking to my guns about the PC <laughs> part of it. Oh, come on. I no, I'm sticking to my guns about it. So it's one of those things where I will I will suffer. But Okay, it, well then it, why didn't you just get the 360 or the PS3 demo? Because then I wouldn't be able to play it when it came out anyway because all my saves are on the PC. Oh. So it's a, so, so basically, kinda, you're not playing it, is what you're saying? I and not unless it comes with an origin free package, or if I feel origins in a place where I can stomach it, then then at that point I'll play it. But not until then. But I did get to hear lots of it over the weekend from everybody who was playing it. And well, by everybody, course. I mean all several hundred people that I follow on Twitter, um, where it just literally consumed their souls for the entire duration. I so, can't believe that you're choosing this hill to die on. 
I mean, I, oh I'm God. sorry. It's I'm well, I mean, of, I'm a big fan of being able to choose how you play your games. Yeah, but as we said before, Valve has done and continues to do the same thing, and you're not boycotting. Ah, we're not going to get into this. Yeah, Let's talk about the freaking game. Wait, then. wait, 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 wait. Did you play any of the multiplayer in the demo? That's the one thing I haven't actually. Okay. Because every time I tried, it said it wasn't there, it wasn't working, or something. Because it was it was gated off until the seventeenth. The only oh, way you could okay. play it before the seventeenth was if you bought Battlefield Three. Okay, I'm gonna have to. But I did play some of it this weekend. And. I played it for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. It's it's fucking really awesome. Like multiplayer. Dude, like, everything it, I've seen about it looks like it will be incredible. Well, let me tell you, you're, you are going to freak out when I tell you this. It's your basic horde mode style setup. You know, you and a team of friends or strangers, uh, four people to a team against wave after wave of enemies. And they throw in objectives and then, you know, they grow progressively stronger, this and that. It's what we're used to from Gears of War and uh, Space Marine and all those other types of games. Well, when you start off creating your characters, you only have three characters to choose from. A soldier, a sentinel, and I think an adept, and only the male human for all of those. Everything else is locked. But unlike other games where you just, you know, you gain experience and you unlock stuff, that's not how it works here. Uh, you gain experience that you can then apply to that character for leveling up your skills, but you also gain credits. You spend your credits on what's essentially booster packs for multiplayer. And it unlocks random items. Oh, here's an ammo refill to use in your next mission. Here's a new sniper rifle. Here's an extended ammo clip for your pistol. Here's a freaking Salarian Inquisitor. Oh. So that's how you progress in the multiplayer is by buying these booster packs like it's a trading card game. It's freaking addicting because and, and I really like how it encourages people to try out new things like, oh, if you're all into being this adept, you know, this uh, biotics user, but then you get this badass sniper rifle. That encourages you as a player to look into playing as an infiltrator instead. It, it's freaking cool. Okay, is there any way in hell I can convince you to get the PC version? Uh, all my saves are on Xbox. Damn it, I hate you. Okay, <laughs> fine then, fine, both of you. I'm, Dude, I'm so getting it on PC because, again, I didn't try it on the 360. I will, but but I'm not getting it on the 360 unless I, I pick it up on the, on the cheap later on at the, you know, at the um, hawk shop or something. But... Uh, I, again, it felt fantastic on the PC, same as as Mass Effect 2. Uh, I found that the combat was maybe a little bit more jittery, but that can also just be because, A, I haven't played it for a while now, and it's, I don't know, the beginning maybe the, the targeting wasn't as good until you put some points in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but once I got used to it, then then I was fine. But it didn't take long for me to get back into that feel again and running all over the place. And, uh, of course, at the very beginning, when, <laughs> when you're running with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anderson. Yeah, and he's, he's telling you to shoot them, and he's saying, have you forgotten how to shoot? <laughs> Listen, yes. it's been a while, all right? Don't push it's been me. been two years. But uh, I tried uh, Infiltrator, I tried a uh, Vanguard, and then I tried an Adept. And the Adept was freaking kick-ass. It was like, oh. I might have to make one of these to mess around with because I actually that's one class that I haven't played with. But I mean, the I found that the um, the beginning was a little bit cinematic heavy, but then it was setting it up kind of thing. And I was thinking, okay, well, if the majority of this is going to be the cinematic, then you're not necessarily a fantastic demo. But then you get right into the action fairly fast. So I thought that as demos go, it was fantastic 
fantastic. Again, I played through it three times, and I enjoyed it every single time. I had a blast. It sold me a game I've already pre-ordered. Yeah, yeah, I I had already pre-ordered it, and then when I uh, when I managed to 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 play it, and it played like a dream on my laptop. I had to drop the resolution, but it still looked great. So the because all the uh, the AA was up and everything else, so it looked great, and and so and it ran ran perfect. So it's gonna look fantastic on my main gaming rig upstairs. But uh, but yeah, no, I played it, and it was like. I was so right to pre-order this. <laughs> it's like because it's gonna be this awesome, but with a dog, a robotic dog beside me. <laughs> Until they kill the robotic dog. No, no, he's gonna be. He's gonna live. He's gonna if be. If we've learned anything between the demo and this trailer, Bioware likes to kill cute things. Yeah, kids. <laughs> yeah, not my dog. My dog can survive. <laughs> I'm going to call him Joe. <laughs> Come here, Joe. Come on. Come on, Joe. <laughs> All right. Let's move away from there then. If you guys have not tried it, seriously, download it and download it now. And as for people saying that it's not going to run as good because it's on Origin, I ran it on Origin. I had no problems at all, at all, at all. No hiccups. I was keeping an eye on my CPU and my, my, my RAM, everything. No, it ran like a dream. My system wasn't even running that hot. So no, great. I loved it. Fantastic. Pick it up. The demo at least and try it. So, okay, let's move away from there now and talk about some of the news that we got about Guild Wars 2, which I didn't really see this coming. I didn't know that they were planning on a console version of Guild Wars 2. So this kind of threw me for a loop. I wasn't expecting this. Well, and that's one of the things. They, they had mentioned it before, and it was sort of like an offhanded comment where uh, I believe it was last year at PAX East on the panels. They had mentioned Somebody had asked, is it ever going to come to consoles? And the dev team looked at each other and said, it's something we are considering. And as time's progressing, we're actually seeing more and more snippets of information from their dev team saying it's almost essentially a sure thing at this point. Um, it's They haven't made an absolute public statement yet, but everything we're getting, including uh, snippets from some of their uh, conference calls, is that this is going to happen. And that's kind of cool because we've seen a lot of MMOs try to bridge that gap and try to be PC games as well as uh, console games and sort of fail with DCUO having some monochrome of success. Um, but I think Guild Wars 2 could actually do it. I really, really do. The interface is, is simplistic enough as it is that I really think they can make it work for a console, and I think it would be a great move for them. I think that when you talk about DCU, that yes, they are enjoying some success, but only since changing it to a free-to-play free model, model. So before but, that, and they there didn't. we have, and we have Guild Wars Two, which is already going to be a free-to-play model. Yeah, exactly, dude. If it, if they can make it happen, and. I would like it if there was an interaction between the two so that you can be playing with somebody who's on a PC kind of thing. It's unlikely, but either way, knowing what I know about the company, knowing what I know about the game, um, even just Guild Wars, I would actually buy this again 
for console in addition to playing it on my PC just so that I could play it on a console as well because I I love the the the, the IP that much I love the stories in it and everything we've seen about 2 has been made of win so being able to play it on console as well I I, I would, and knowing that I wouldn't have to pay another monthly fee I I'd, I'd be all over it Oh I agree I I don't know about the console version, but man, I spent the better part of the evening salivating over the videos that have been popping up online today now that the <laughs> press NDA has lifted. Holy crap. I Yeah, it's, again, every single thing I've seen. There hasn't been anything that I've seen about this that made me stop and think, eh, maybe that won't be as good. No, everything has been awesome. This is, this is going to be a must purchase. I mean, I think we've already agreed on that many, many times before, but let's do it again. Uh, yeah, with all the videos we've seen, I'm going to be buying this game the absolute second it's available, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. It just looks cool as hell. Vince, anything in particular you saw in those videos that you want to talk about? Just the way that they're handling the uh, the skill system. Like, I knew, you know, with the way... Uh, you equip the different weapons and you gain different skills. I didn't know that each weapon skill was specific to that class. So like a Mesmer with a sword is different from a Guardian with a sword. And yep. just seeing how they've applied the uh, the specifics of the class to each attack is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's something we'd seen a while back. And again, it's... I haven't been paying that much attention, to be honest. Yeah, There's been well, other stuff going on. <laughs> obviously. Uh, no, and it is something, too, having looked at what they're doing with the game and the system that they have for their abilities, which differs greatly from a lot of other MMOs because you are very restricted in terms of how many abilities you can have. It does lend itself well to a controller because you have a limited amount of abilities that you can use. So the controller is the perfect setup for this type of MMO I'm, I'm very curious to see what they would do with that because again if it the, the, the story is done in such a way with the questing too that it's going to be very easy to do it on a console it's not something that you have to be on a PC for and then the the abilities uh, that you have in terms of being able to work with the other classes um, other players on a console, again, you've got more people who game on consoles. So you're going to have more likelihood of being able to play with other people. And I don't know, it, it lends itself so well to that concept of group play. And it, it just gets me excited at the, the, the prospect of, of playing it on a console. And it, again, it's not something I really seriously thought would happen. Even when they kind of hint at things like this, well, hell, Bio, um, Blizzard has hinted at console games for a long time and we still ain't seen that. So I'm used to companies kind of saying, We've hardly yeah, seen maybe. PC games from Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. So, so <clears throat> pardon me. So let's talk a little bit about Reckoning as well because that's still on everybody's minds right now too. Um, how far have you boys gotten on that? Uh, I am around level 22 or so. Um, I completed the House of Ballads, which was freaking awesome. Loved it. Uh, main quest, I couldn't tell you exactly where I am, but I am really, really enjoying the game. I'm about level 20 as well. Uh, my problem is I keep getting sidetracked by all the side things. <laughs> so I can't Shiny. tell you how far in the main story I am. It's like I'm running through the forest. Oh, my God, a quest! And I have to go get it. <laughs> And, uh, and take care of it. But it's it's one of those things where I literally did not real Like, the, my first night off, and we're talking about that I had, had the week off this this past week, the very first night I played Reckoning, and next thing I know, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and I started at, like, 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. And I look up, and I'm like, fuck, I should sleep. Oh, crap. But, I mean, that, that's how engaging and how, how much that game just pulls me into it. 
but it's it's so good. Yeah, I actually, uh, well, I'd gotten it just at the, when we were recording last week, so I, I got it set up, and uh, I started playing it. Both my son and I have been playing it. Actually, he's been playing it quite a bit more than I have. Um, I did get sidetracked in uh, the Old Republic again with the Imperial stuff, so I've been concentrating on, uh, or not the Imperial, the, uh, the yeah, the Imperial Agent, um, and then also with my uh, Sith Inquisitor, so I've been kind of sidetracked with that for a little bit. So I put in... I still put in quite a few hours, and and I got the freaking Omni Blades on them, dudes! Oh my <laughs> god, cool. it just looks so freaking awesome. And my guy's uh, a rogue as well, so and I'm really happy that I chose that too. It it it's a nice fit for me. I'm really enjoying that type of play. So, but what I've been trying to do is actually. Which is unusual for me because, again, when they develop the, the the games and they put your 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 quest hub and you're supposed to get a whole bunch of quests from here and then go and work on them all because they're they're typically in the same place. But then what I was thinking is, again, in many cases, you kind of lose sight of some of the quests sometimes and what's going on because you just you're there and you're killing and you're doing whatever. So what I've been trying to do is actually just follow one quest line. So I'm leaving all of them there and I'm concentrating on one. I'll take one and then I go in and I follow it through to the end. So, and I've been finding that that's more fun for me right now because again, I'm enjoying that mm-hmm. story a lot more. And, uh, and so, yeah, both myself and my son have been playing the crap out of it. And, uh, my son, especially he's absolutely loving the damn game. See, I can't, I can't just follow one quest line. I'm, I'm like the ADD action adventure child in this game. I have to do everything. Like, I'm like a damn hummingbird on crack with a giant sword. <laughs> okay, before we move on to some other news, just going back to Star Wars, we did get a bombshell drop this week as well. Uh, well, last week, Drew Capershen, who has been working with uh, at Bioware for quite some time now, worked on writing for Mass Effect. Over a decade. Mass Effect 2 has worked on a lot of the writing for the Old Republic as well. He's actually leaving Bioware. Um, completely amicable, and he is actually doing so to pursue his own writing career, so I applaud that there's going to be another Star Wars novel that he's working on so that's good to hear and then from there he's going to be working on his other his his own novels and his own uh, projects so more more power to him to be able to do that I, I think that's great it's too bad though because that means that again Bioware is losing one hell of a good writer while they're losing one hell of a good writer um, as far as in game goes my understanding is he's not completely divorcing himself from the Star Wars the Old Republic uh, sort of environment we'll see potentially more novels from him in that genre besides the one that's coming out but personally i can't wait to see what he does on his own i I mean he's he's amazingly talented he's got just a wonderful way with words and as one writer who you know like an amateur writer myself i guess it's always nice to see somebody like that being able to explore their own creative endeavors i can't wait to see what he produces on his own i really really can't so, okay, let's move on to some uh, some Fall of Cybertron news, because I know you boys are dying to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll start, because joke and shut up. Uh, saw some awesome video the other night. Uh, I was on game trailers, and it was actual gameplay footage of the game, which we haven't seen uh, thus far. Uh, detailing a couple characters. Uh, I'll start with Jazz, uh, Autobot fan favorite. And they showed off an interesting mechanic with him, how... He has a grappling hook that allows him to zip around the stages, Bionic Commando style. And since his primary weapon is a sniper rifle, 
that is a very interesting thing being added into the gameplay. Uh, nice little touch there. They're really making all the characters very unique this time around uh, because they said there's not going to be that division between the two factions in the story mode. In War for Cybertron, you had the Decepticon campaign and the Autobot campaign. This one is just going to be one campaign going back and forth between the various sides, each mission focusing on a single character. And that really has me excited for all the gameplay aspects they're exploring. Uh, another one they showed was uh, Vortex, one of the Combaticons. In War for Cybertron, you had your flying stages, but they were focused more on Starscream or Silverbolt, you know, jet fighters. So it was more linear. Well, Vortex is a helicopter, so he has the entire vertical plane to work with as well. They said that Vortex's uh, specific mission, that environment is not only the biggest environment in the game, it is the biggest environment the Unreal Engine 3 can possibly <laughs> render. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Vortex by himself is pretty much nothing compared to when he combines with the other Combaticons to make Bruticus. And they showed this off, just this giant freaking robot wrecking shit. That, just watch it. It's absolutely insane. Flamethrowers everywhere, stomping on dudes, crushing bridges, just absolutely insane. And then the last character, well, it was technically the first character they talked about, but I had to save him for last, was, of course, Optimus Prime. And the what they've done with Optimus Prime in this game to make him different from the previous games is not only are you playing through the level with Prime, but as you're playing throughout the level, you're issuing commands to your troops. Well, in this case, you're issuing commands to your troop, singular, because <laughs> you are in command of Fortress freaking Maximus, one of the largest Autobots ever conceived. It's literally a walking city, and you get to control him through the battlefield as you're fighting alongside epic just epic <laughs> absolutely epic yeah no i'm with vince like all the videos were just absolutely amazing and i like the jazz stuff really has me excited because like you said this is a very interesting mechanic to combine with the sniper rifle i want to i, I want to play that level like hearing about it hearing about how he's up in from place to place and and how he's going to be able to interact with like just the various different objects i can't wait to see how that works now, we did also get a little bit of bad news on that front as well. War for Cybertron, or I'm sorry, the fall for Cybertron, won't, fall of Cybertron, wow, I can't freaking talk today, um, will hey. not, yeah, shut up, will not have a PC release. <laughs> um, basically, the War for Cybertron did so poorly on PC that they're just not going to release uh, it on the PC this time around. It's going to be a strictly console game. Uh, it makes me a little sad. I was actually kind of planning on picking this one up for the PC, but it looks like I'll have to get my joys of being Grimlock on the uh, the console instead. Yeah, but see, this is where I have a problem. I, luckily, the, the the console version was fantastic. It played great, so that's that's not a problem. But instead of saying, you know, it, it, it didn't sell well on PC, so we're just not going to bother. Well, how about instead you say, well, it didn't sell well on PC, so we're going to learn from that and develop a better version for this one so that it actually plays better so more people will want to pick it up on PC. Did you forget we're talking about Activision? Yeah. <laughs> Still. I think that pretty well sums it up. Okay, let's move away from there then and talk about some Alan Wake because we got some news and a video about that too, which gave us a little bit more information about what we can expect from American Nightmare. Vince, you want to take this? I just 
absolutely love the whole feeling they're setting up for this yeah. uh, with the music and showing off. But it all comes down to Mr. Scratch. Uh, the actor, I had his name, but I forgot it. It's something Icelandic. <laughs> so, couple of eyes in there is just you could tell he is having such a blast playing this character he he's having so much fun even when they were playing around with their you know a little mock video that they were making with the developers where he's moving through the background and silly stuff like that that alone really can't i can't wait because it comes out in two days yeah, it, the little video was fantastic, and I love the premise that they're doing with it as well, of what's going on. And this, the, they're really running with the serial killer kind of notion, and with the idea that they can do, they have so much creative freedom because of the situation with with uh, with Alan. So I, I'm really digging what they're, what it seems like they're going to be doing with this. Just to correct, the actor is uh, Ika Vili. He's uh, from Finland. Well, I don't blame you for forgetting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move away from there then and talk about Double Fine as well because the uh, we got a video from Tim Schafer, which was which was funny. I love Tim. Yeah, he was <laughs> He's great. a weird dude. He is a funny but weird dude. Talking about what they're going to be doing with their game. Joe, you found this? Uh, yeah, we've heard a little more information now about the adventure game that Double Fine's going to be putting out. Uh, first of all, it has the option of being DRM-free, available on PC, Mac, Linux, Linux. and mobile platforms. Yes, <laughs> Linux is included in this. I know. Oh, they got $2 million dollars to work with. Yeah, really? yeah, I mean, why the hell not? Um, and they're, it's also going to include all iOS, um, or potentially all iOS, and certain Android-compatible devices. Um, this is a much larger scope than they originally planned with, obviously because of how much money they have to do to, to kind of do the project with. Um, it's going to have things like uh, voice. It's going to have multiple language translations. There's going to be a closed beta on Steam for the backers of the project. And also, uh, anybody who did the Kickstarter will get a DRM-free version of the game. So I think that's kind of cool that they're they're sort of looking at it and be like, Wow, we, we got how much money? Let's go bigger. Let's let's do more. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they produce out of this. Since they're now at five times their original yeah, really. budget. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what I'm liking is that they are actually, more so than what I thought they were going to do, they really are pushing to give extra to the backers. So if you did actually give them money, it's it's not... Well, I don't want to say wasted, but you know what I mean. They're they're going out of their way to try to make you feel like it was worth it. And so I like that. It's really actually I'm quite impressed with how they're doing this. Yeah, It went from essentially pre-ordering a game that hadn't existed yet to now really being involved in something special. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of awesome. So, yeah, kudos to them. We also got some news about uh, the upcoming Assassin's Creed 3, which, n absolutely no surprise, dude, they're just pumping the crap out faster than they can make it, it, it seems like. So, because now they're talking about October 30th, the sucker is coming out. At least it's Assassin's Creed 3, finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool, though, because they're finally getting, well, not getting rid of, but moving away from Ezio, and they're going to give us something absolutely new. So that's going to be fairly interesting. 
and nobody knows what's up. Well, yeah, it's, that's... it's good because it's gotten to the point where it's hard to just bounce into the game now. Again, mm-hmm. case in point, I played through the first one, but I still have not played all the other ones. And I'm waiting because one day I'll have time and I'm going to work on them all. But this now is going to present a good jumping on point for people who still have heard enough that's good about the franchise, want to try it out, but don't feel like they quite understand everything that had been going on in the other games to stay caught up. So this is going to be that fantastic jumping on point for people now. And I think that's really, that right there is going to be the best about having Assassin's Creed 3. Not only is it getting moved up a month in release, which is cool, um, but we're going to get a brand new character and a brand new opportunity for new people to jump in and enjoy it, which is a huge thing. It is a wonderful story that they've been telling. It is a great game. I've loved every second of, of every game that I've played so far with it, and it just keeps getting better and better. And right now, I think for me, it's the excitement of not knowing what they're going to do next as well that has me just like on the edge of my seat waiting every time there's a new news for it or a little tidbit here, a little tidbit there. Like I find myself like just salivating, waiting for like some solid confirmation of what's going to happen. And I think it's also cool too, because if you visit a lot of the game forums, everybody has their own speculation on what it's going to be with the most popular one currently seeming that it's going to be like the American civil war is the next time period. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I can't wait to get my hands on it. Nothing Vince. Dad, you nothing said I can to. add. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on to Skyrim because we got a little bit more news about that too, in regards to the DLC, which I thought was fairly awesome because of course, like when you've got a game that big, you're not going to be putting out crap DLC. It's got to be freaking epic like horse armor. <laughs> yeah. And really, <laughs> I think they learned their lesson with that. Yes, they did. Dragonborn gets a new helmet. Ha ha. No, Dude, um... when they're talking about shit, like what they're, nothing's for sure, but they were saying like they're showing off possibilities for DLCs and they got dudes flying dragons. They've got the vampire lords, all that crap. It's like, okay, now that's freaking awesome. Uh, DLC is one of those things that like we all fear when we hear a little bit, I think, inside, because we've, we've had some really fantastic DLCs. And we've had some ones that really make no sense whatsoever. Um, with this news, though, I'm really excited because Bethesda says that they're going to treat each DLC like an expansion pack almost. Uh, that we were promised when the game was released that they're going to have these very big, very substantial DLCs for it. And they are, in fact, thinking big. Um, They want to take more time and really add more content to each DLC so it feels a lot meatier, uh, basically, than anything they've done before, like Fallout 3. Uh, They were talking about using the, the, the DLCs for their Fallout series that added entire new regions and scores of the new quests as sort of like the example. And... That's kind of cool because, like you said, with something like this, with a game this big, you need to have something that big if you're going to release a DLC. You need to add something to the world in general for it to really kind of be worthwhile, and it looks like they've got that idea in their heads. Yeah, At at some point, you kind of have to feel a little sorry for Bethesda because Oblivion was really the first big game to come out during the DLC era. So they made some mistakes, but they also made made their full expansions, uh, Knights of the Nine and Shivering Isles available as DLC. So they near the tail end of Oblivion's life cycle, they kind of got their act together. And as we saw, most of the Fallout stuff was fantastic, uh, especially st- 
expansions like Broken Steel that really, really added onto the game. So I, I think we're definitely going to see some good stuff out of them for Skyrim. Nothing, uh, nothing to be embarrassed of. Yeah, no kidding. I want a freaking dude on a dragon. That's what I want. You, you can keep your vampire <laughs> lore. I, that's fine. But I want to fly a freaking dragon. Give me a lasso, okay? Okay, let's talk a little bit about Star or about uh, Final Fantasy. Well, I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy, but somebody wants to. Well, I actually really do want to talk about Final Fantasy, uh, specifically Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. Um, it's. I still haven't played it myself, but I fully intend to after I finish the Reckoning Mass Effect Gauntlet, and. They've already released one DLC uh, for Lightning, uh, who was one of the main characters in the first game. They added in an arena mode. You could fight a bunch of boss monsters in the arena. You could also fight Lightning herself. And if you beat her in the arena, then you, she could join your party in the core game. Well, that was nice, but you know, nobody really liked Lightning. She was kind of flat. However, the next one that they've announced coming out February 28th is called Saz, Heads or Tails. And Saz was hands down the best character in Final Fantasy 13. And they're not just throwing it in arena mode or whatever. They're actually, for this DLC, putting in an entire side story for Saz himself, telling what has happened since the ending of Final Fantasy 13 up until this game. So you get a full set, well, not full, but an entire quest line for Saz himself, and then you can get him to join your party in the game. So I really like how they're incorporating the original characters into this game in different ways, not just, oh, here, you bought him, there he is. They're actually rolling them into the story, and I'm really happy to see Saz. He was absolutely awesome. Meh. Meh. All right. <laughs> Opinions don't matter. Dude, okay, I won't say anything. Because every time I do, you go, really? Again? <laughs> so I won't say anything. <laughs> okay, let's move away from there and talk about a game that I know, Joe, you loved, creeped the shit out of you, and that was Amnesia. Oh, God. Amnesia was one of those games that, like, just playing it made me nervous and want to look over <laughs> my shoulder and, like, make sure the doors were locked and make sure the windows were covered. You it know what? My those... kid still talks about, my son still talks about that game because when he'd play every once in a while, I'd sneak into the room because he would play it with the lights <laughs> off and I'd, I'd, I'd tickle his neck or I'd flick him lightly on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> and he, of course, inevitably, there was you that jumping evil, and that peeing. And yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Joe. No, 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 no. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. But that's the type of game, like, it puts you into that mindset. Um, but one of the things we've seen now is that there's a new teaser site that has appeared from Frictional Games. Uh, it's, it's had blurred images um, that have been sort of like the best way I can say it is it's like a better version of the Cloverfield campaign when the movie was being released, what they did to try to get people interested in it. They're doing the exact same thing, but better uh, with what is potentially Amnesia's follow-up. And they've been doing things like leaving tidbits and, and having these images with like sort of like blurred, obscured words. Um, right now, there's an image up on the site uh, where there's a, like a freaky tunnel entrance complete with like a limbless corpse. It's kind of like standing there chilling out relaxing um and it's kind of cool now they've also got the the latest set of hints that have come out for it um which is one one of the hints has led to a tower in seattle called smith tower which inside leads you to the chinese room named after the furniture and houses which was like a gift uh from some chinese empress or or something of the the nature some high-ranking chinese official um, speculation is that the new game will have some possible link to China and its history, which let's be honest, if you're talking about amnesia, 
putting it with like some form of Chinese history kind of fits because Chinese history and Chinese mythology and, and all that stuff has some pretty freaky shit that they can pull on. It would be absolutely perfect for an amnesia style game. Yeah. Um, now, not only that, but the image has a name which fans are kind of like lap, lapping or latching onto. Um, the image is called Fragment underscore Ebola that JPG, which is kind of cool. And it also has a series of coded letters in the image itself, which is P-F-C-I-N-C-M-I-O-S-G-G. Um, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, which uh, people have rearranged into gifts to come or something like that or get more gifts coming or whatever. Or gifts coming. I can't remember what it was, but it's basically like people are. It's, it's interesting to see how people are reacting to this, like how they're they're putting their own spin on it, and it's it's almost like a game in and of itself, waiting for the game to come out, which I think is kind of cool. It, it's like a huge marketing thing, but it's being done so well. I love that it's given them this much attention because honestly, that's the Amnesia was not a huge game. So it's nice to see that there's this much interest for the follow-up game now. And, like, this could be making the fictional games, like, doing it so that this next game could be quite the success for them. Because a lot of people really did like Amnesia a lot. So, and are now looking forward to this one. So that's kind of awesome. Absolutely. Okay, so now from the scary to the freaking kid-like, let's move on to Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> or, no, sorry, Kingdom Hearts 3D. Yeah, uh, I've had a philosophy ever since uh, the first handheld release, uh, Chain of Memories, like it was called, to just basically ignore any Kingdom Hearts game that didn't have a single number at the end of it because <laughs> they kept going on these wild side stories and craziness and weird gameplay mechanics i didn't i didn't need it just give me kingdom hearts kingdom hearts 2 and eventually i guess kingdom hearts 3 well kingdom hearts 3d dream drop distance did catch my eye for several reasons Uh, first of all it is marking marking the 10th anniversary of the franchise and they put some interesting little things in there um starting to see plot elements from all the various games coming together, which means it's not going to be its own side story. This might be an actual core entry into the series, uh, stuff that we've seen from the Birth by Sleep game on PSP last year, which I heard was good, but sticking to my guns. <laughs> and seeing some new things coming in, uh, Square characters that aren't from the Final Fantasy series, uh, The World Ends With You awesome game loved that one uh the main character and niku is showing up in kingdom hearts so they're expanding not just the disney side of things but also the square side of things but then some cool stuff on the disney side as well uh we see a level dedicated to hunchback of notre dame which personally is one of my favorite of the disney movies and uh, i forget if it was kingdom hearts or kingdom hearts 2 that had the tron level well now we have a tron legacy level not just themed, where you actually have freaking Jeff Bridges and <laughs> Olivia Wilde digitized into the game. It just looks cool as hell, and I'm actually really interested in this one. Yeah, they, they definitely piqued my interest, uh, and, and I hate to say it, but with all the plots and everything are cool, but the Disney side of it really caught my eye, and, and, and I have to say that that was what really did it for me is... I like the idea of Kingdom Hearts with the Final Fantasy characters, with the Square characters, interacting with the Disney characters in such a weird way. I've always loved it. It's been one of my favorite role-playing games ever. 
and seeing them add in more characters like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like you, it was one of my all time favorite Disney movies. And to see that sort of get worked in is fantastic. To see Tron Legacy get its own world essentially inside of the game is cool. Like it just it 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 has that potential to just have all these cool little bells and whistles. See, I never played any of them, but my son did and loves them. And case in point, I was watching the video today and he happened to walk by and he went, Kingdom Hearts? Is there a new <laughs> <laughs> So for those who are interested in it, yes. It's also one of those games where I can sit Renee down in front of the TV and she won't move. She'll for like several hours. So just be like, oh, and keep playing. It's awesome. Uh, okay, let's move away from that now and talk about Kid Icarus. And uh, because, finally, <laughs> this was only just announced, what, two freaking years ago? Yeah, seriously. Uh, what was originally we thought was going to be a release game for the 3DS, silly, silly us, uh, is finally getting a little bit of a, a trailer with... Uh, uh, giving us a little idea of what's going on. Uh, the trailer shows off some of the monsters that our hero will face, like the Medusa, uh, giant eye monsters, and even gets a little bit of a nostalgia factor going by showing off the original game interlaced with the 3DS screens. Um, it looks like you're going to have to reacquire the three sacred treasures that you used to defeat Medusa in the first game on your adventure. So they're kind of giving it a toss back to the original um, not just completely redoing it. It's sort of a continuation, but not completely forgetting where they came from. And some of the screens and the gameplay looks pretty pretty damn solid. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I just wish it would have been out two years ago. See, this trailer isn't available on the Nintendo eShop yet, but uh, the first trailer that they released uh, a while back is. So I was actually able to watch that first trailer in 3D. And I don't know, it's... At times, it almost seems like a little too much. Like when you're doing the uh, Space Harrier type levels and there's just explosions going on everywhere and crap flying all over the place, that added with the 3D effect, at least for me, was almost overwhelming. And I was just watching a video. I wasn't actually trying to play the game. So I, I still have some reservations about this. Let me ask you both, seeing as you both have a 3DS and I don't, how much time do you guys actually put in on it or is it just basically collecting a lot of dust? constant for me as much time as i put into any other handheld you know a couple hours every once in a while okay so it's actually being used though is what i'm saying yeah i mean once i finish uh my ocarina of time i still want to play uh super mario land and uh maybe a couple other games i have lined up on my to buy list okay cool all right the girlfriend just got me a spider-man game for the 3ds so i've been playing that pretty pretty frequently um but no it's for me it's at least a couple hours a day uh, especially if i'm at work or getting to or from work and like I have downtime. Yeah, I was going to say, and you mock me for, no, no, no. for if, I have, if I have downtime, I can talk to somebody while playing the 3DS. I can multitask, damn it. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to convince me. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> but at the same, I mean, but it, it is, it's one of those things where I never, I never thought I would really want it. But now that I have it, I'm really excited, especially for the Mario game. I put a lot of hours into the Super Mario World just because after you beat the game, you're still not done. It has that very Mario Galaxy-esque where there's so much more to do even after you've completed the main story that it just looks cool as hell. And there's so much more platforming to get done and something that's really damn hard. So, like, you get a lot of hours of enjoyment out of there. I definitely got the a bang for my buck on this one. Okay, good to know. I, I like I said, I still haven't picked one up, and uh, again, I'm still looking at the the Vita as a possibility. Though every time I see the cost of the 
external memory i <laughs> there's a I, lot of places uh wednesday that are giving you a free four gig card if you buy it yeah yep. but Target, to Best me Buy. that's not quite enough i i mean a four gig is really it's not a bone that... <laughs> basically yeah you're not gonna be able to put I a think, lot of I meat on that four that's, gigs could hold you over until there's a price drop on that's, the memory that's cards. retailers realizing shit we have to do something yeah Pretty much, yeah. Okay, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thanks for everybody for joining us. Of course, you can find the show notes at For the Lore, and you can find us on Twitter at For the Lore. If you have any questions, comments, or whatever, just send them by email or on Twitter. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. What makes Mass Effect so special? Believe it or not, this is still something I hear quite a bit these days. The answer to that question is both very simple and very complicated. What makes Mass Effect so special? Everything. Of course, we'll start with the story. Quite simply, I feel that Mass Effect is one of, if not the best science fiction setting of our generation. This is our Star Trek. Sure, the basic premise is something we've seen before, a coalition of good species offset by a few bad ones, but it's what the writers do with that setting that's so interesting. The role humans play in this society, feeling like we deserve everything when we've actually earned little. The animosity with the Turians, the plight of the Krogans, the resolve of the Quarians. Each species in this universe is so deep and developed, you'd have to try not to tell a good story with them. I even want to see more stories with the background species like the Hanar and Elcor. Aside from the games, we've seen several successful novels and a few very good comic series from the Mass Effect setting. With the forthcoming anime adaptation on the way and a motion picture in pre-production, it's not unreasonable to assume that the Mass Effect franchise will thrive even if we don't see any more games. The story is so much more than its setting though. It's also the characters. Shepard doesn't count. He's an avatar, not a character, and we'll come back to that later. However, look no further than your crew for some amazing characters. As someone who wrote and recorded over 12,000 words as part of my character bios back when I was an extended member of the For the Lore family, I know a lot about these characters. When I was working on that project, I was constantly amazed with the depth I found in each character, even seemingly one-dimensional ones like Jacob. Of course, it's not just the main crew members, but even the supporting cast is full of great characters. Everyone loves the wise-cracking pilot, but there's also the soulful doctor, the opinionated navigator, or the optimistic assistant. And let's not forget the likes of Captain Anderson, Arya Talok, or the elusive man. The Mass Effect universe is just filled with absolutely great characters. But a great setting and great characters are nothing without narrative and, more importantly in Mass Effect's case, strong pacing. The first Mass Effect had a simple premise. Shepard's a badass, here's some friends, now go get the bad guy. Over the course of the game's second act, you found out just how much of a threat Saren was, but in the third act, the game just started throwing one powerful moment after another at you. The standoff with Rex, the choice between Ashley or Kaiden, the attack on the Citadel, and of course, the knowledge that Saren and Sovereign aren't working alone. In the second game, well, any story I can equate to the Seven Samurai is awesome by default, but it's true. Gathering up a team of badasses to fight for the greater good is a classic setup for a reason. But again, the game has the same pace, a brief introduction, 
followed by a varied but interesting second act, and a fast-paced finale full of holy crap moments. With the third game upon us, everything I've seen indicates that the entire game will be following the pace of the final acts from the first two. My fragile little mind may not be able to handle that much awesomeness. The final two elements I want to discuss go hand in hand. Those are Avatar power and consequence. The way Shepard is executed is spectacular. Many games of the type, such as Fallout, Elder Scrolls, or even the first Dragon Age, will give you a bland, often voiceless protagonist to associate with. It's up to the player to give the Avatar emotion. While this can work, more often in my experience, the player is engrossed in the world and the story, but not so much their own role in it. Shepard is different. Sure, it's a risk to give the player such a defined character to associate with, but the amount of control you have over Shepard's actions is mirrored by the way your avatar reacts. Shepard always shows the right amount of compassion or anger. Whether a nice guy or an absolute dick, your Shepard is your Shepard, and carrying that character through three games worth of story creates a stronger connection than anything else could. However, the avatar power would be nothing without those choices, and more importantly, their consequences. My first time through each game, I had no idea what to expect ahead of time. When I realized my choices would have an effect on the lives of my crew and the universe as a whole, I was blown away. Sure, many games have had choices like this, but they usually only affect the ending or a small change here and there. Regardless of who's king, the Darkspawn will still be defeated. Sure, that town will run out of water, but the Brotherhood will prevail. Not only does Mass Effect craft its story around your decisions, but it's entirely possible that after three games of tough choices, the whole universe is still screwed. That is the kind of consequence I want in a game. I don't want to be able to just reload a previous save, or cancel a conversation if I don't like the response. No, I want to know my actions meant something, and Mass Effect has given me that in a way no other game has. It's all of these things, and still more, that make Mass Effect so special. It may not excel in every single aspect, though it frequently does in every way but planet probing, but the whole is infinitely greater than the sum of its parts. No other game series has captured my attention in quite the way Mass Effect has, and it will take something truly incredible to ever equal it in the future. Playdeck contacted me and asked if I'd like to review their newest iOS game. They provided the press release for the game, and after reading it, I, I knew I had to play it. As with Ascension, Playdeck worked with an existing game, this one from Cryptozoic. And as with Ascension, they stayed very true to the game in terms of the playstyle and the art. So what game did they bring to iOS this time? Food Fight. Food Fight iOS sees you assembling an army of dishes like General Chicken, Private Pancake, or Big Bad Bacon, each with their own special abilities. General Donut, for example, grants your other breakfast troops plus four. 
There are a variety of these dishes, and each is stronger in their own battlefield. Battlefields in Food Fight are represented by breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The game is, at its simplest, a game of war. And by that, I mean the simple card game where you flip cards against an opponent with the high card winning each round. However, what Food Fight does is add a layer of depth and insanity to the game by adding a variety of modifiers, such as the dish skills condiments, such as medic mustard and PHT pepper, as well as instants, which some of them are just hysterical, like Bernie Colon, whose quote is fire it in the hole and the artwork alone will make you laugh, or Flapjack the Ripper, who is an important part of this complete massacre, which allows each player at this table puts the next troop in their army into the discard pile, and your troop has plus one for each troop kill this way. And of course, then there's Grilled Cheeses, whose quote is, The flavor you'll savor from our savior. <laughs> Though, of course, my favorite is King Bacon and the Bits, whose quote is, Listen here, baby, I want you to fry me up a peanut butter and bacon sandwich. I'll be in the can. And it's a pig dressed up as Elvis. How can you not love that? The game has a few other quirks, and it's important at this point to realize that Food Fight is not really a trading card game, but rather more like a board game. You're not building a deck in terms of deck building for, say, Magic the Gathering or World of Warcraft, the trading card game, of course. The deck is already in the game, and the cards are dealt out to the players. Now, that said, there are two ways you can receive your hand. You can choose to have all of your cards dealt to you, or you can draft your hand, which means you look at all the available cards, select one, and then pass the cards to the next player so they may do the same, and then you continue until you have a full hand with which to play. In all honesty, this is definitely the way to go, even though it takes longer, simply because, and I'll quote my son, the AI cheats. We've seen this often, and it's really sad reality in some games, but the AI in this game appears to cheat sometimes, and in some cases, the only way to beat it is to draft your hand. Now, there are a couple of ways to play Food Fight iOS. You can play online against other opponents, offline in pass and play mode, or in campaign mode against the AI. Despite the AI having the upper hand in campaign, it is still very much worth your time to play through this mode simply because it's actually a lot of fun working your way towards the final boss. Playdeck did a great job with the interface for this game. They followed the old rock and food diner style and used the insane artwork from the game. As opposed to Ascension, which I reviewed a while back, Food Fight's art is spectacular and the tongue-in-cheek humor will make the most serious of gamers grin or chuckle. Now, all that said, though, remember that this is still a very stylized game of war. Do not go into this expecting the depth of a TCG or the lore of an RPG. It's meant to be silly and fun and is best enjoyed with someone else, even though the pass and play mode is a little slow, especially if you choose to draft your army at the start. Initially, I won't lie, I got a little bored with it and thought that it may be more for a younger audience. I told my teenage son to give it a whirl for a while, and he absolutely loved it. He played it for quite a few hours and still enjoys playing it. It was once I started playing with him that I realized where the game's strengths are. And basically, that's in creating a fun board game to play with your family while laughing and expect the occasional facepalm from the mom at the table. If you're looking for an off-the-wall iOS board game to play with your family on a lazy Sunday afternoon, I do highly recommend Food Fight iOS. As Frankenspud would say, it's alive with flavor. Mm -hmm.
Jesus, the first thing I hear when I pick up the call is fucking Joe's keyboard. <laughs> oh, shit, it. <laughs> Just for you. You know what? As long as Tart is not going to make her dinner and dishes tonight while we're recording, I don't care about the keyboard. Nah, we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm willing to forget about the keyboard. It's, it's the <laughs> ding, ding, ding from the microwave and the dishes being done. <laughs> Yeehaw. It was uh You're not 29 liberating. anymore. No, I'm not 29 <laughs> anymore. Thank you for pointing that out yet again. I'm sorry, how many times a week do I get called old man, old bastard, everything? The lights shut the hell up. <laughs> Would you like me to get off your lawn as well, Roger? Yes. You know what? I got a problem with people on my lawn. Don't don't you even take your dog on my lawn. My tongue gets tired when I try to speak.